This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about cotton candy. The delightful thing that everyone finds delightful. That's where you're wrong, Lauren. (laughs) (laughs) I have such strong feelings about cotton candy. I feel like I'm about to get into a fight right now. Um, And in the outline when I was doing this research, it is littered with all caps, literal booze. Yes. Right at the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, I don't think I've seen Annie this angry since the tipping episode. Oh, yeah. That was a more legitimate reason to be angry. That I'll was say. certainly a more legitimate reason. Because <laughs> at this point, I, I don't, I, this, you, you call it one of your arch nemeses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Everyone's got to have at least one food arch nemesis. <laughs> and uh, cotton candy, it turns out, is one. And it kind of took me by surprise because I guess I haven't really thought about cotton candy in a while. And it just, it was there. It was lying underneath. Oh, I don't, the whole I time. do not understand this. I'm like, Annie, who hurt you? Like, what, like, what happened? Oh, I can tell you what happened. <laughs> I was in marching band. Okay. And uh, as part of marching band, you had to volunteer at the concession stand. Okay. At, uh, at like, the football stadium? Yes. Okay. And uh, also at 
various fairs, local festivals, and I was in charge of the cotton candy machine. Oh, okay. It was unwieldy. It came with no instructions. It would burn your fingers and stick everywhere. And it was a thankless, thankless job. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wow. I need, like, a cotton candy therapist. You apparently do. I I mean, okay. I see you. You're you're seeing <laughs> you're in you. you're in a safe place. Thank you, Lauren. We're gonna get this we're gonna get through this episode together. Okay. We're gonna try not to have too many flashbacks of just like pink fluff sticking everywhere <laughs> and hearing people like, Where's that cotton candy, Annie? Yeah. Wow. Uh all right. So cotton candy. What is it? Well, it is a food that I find you you don't see much outside of a carnival or amusement park. I personally can't think of a time I had it outside of those situations. Uh, we had a machine at a House Stuff Works Christmas party a few years back. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was, it, was, it was that year that we, like, Skyped with Santa. Oh, I didn't know Santa was on Skype. Yeah. I knew you could follow him on Google Maps. Yeah, yeah. No, um, they Skyped Santa in to talk to us. I think mm-hmm. I think that was the last Roxanne party. <laughs> she threw she threw great parties. She did. Uh, one of our ex uh, ex managers, Roxanne, lovely mm-hmm. woman. Um, anyway, cotton candy. Uh, it's um, made up of primarily one thing, and that is sugar. Mm-hmm. And maybe food dyes and flavorings, but mostly sugar. Yes, uh, cotton candy is a non-crystalline form of sugar candy. It's made from sugar syrup that's cooked and then spun out, like literally, into these brittle threads that are pliable to the touch because they're so dang thin, some like 50 microns wide, which is something like the width of a human hair. Huh. Um, cotton candy is frequently served as a, in a sort of like rough ball on a stick or paper cone and looks a little bit like a cotton ball or a cloud or like fiberglass. One of these things you should not eat. Uh, cotton candy is technically an amorphous solid, like glass or lollipops. Huh. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Um, you can get all types of flavors of cotton candy. Blue raspberry, banana, raspberry, watermelon, chocolate. There's artisanal cotton candy, Earl Grey, horchata, lychee green tea, mango chili, champagne. Champagne cotton candy. But the baseline cotton candy flavor... It's just vanilla. Hmm. It's really? like pink vanilla, so it doesn't, I mean, and it's also got probably a little bit of like caramelization flavor in there somewhere, but yeah. mostly vanilla. Mm-hmm. Things I never realized. Yeah. Well, if you look at the nutrition value of cotton candy, it uh, is not. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, of fair foods. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, for a one-ounce serving, it's got about 105 calories. Those are mostly sugar calories. Um, and that does make it almost 100% profit after you've, like, invested in the in machine. In the machine. And, yeah. I guess, electricity to heat it. Sure, yes. Sure. Um, there is, in that 105 calories serving, only about 26 grams of sugar, which is about two-thirds of what's in a can of Coke. It's, it's really mostly air. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, as you said, like, as fairground foods go, like, it is certainly not the worst you can do. Oh, no. More than more than once in the past, like, two weeks, people have brought up fried butter in my presence. <laughs> and I'm still 
<laughs> curious? Curious. Horrified? Curious. I've never had it either. Hmm. So a listener sent in um, a message about the Texas fair, and she was saying that they had fried margaritas. And I am really curious about that. Huh. I wonder if it's one of those like like uh, like Jello cube kind of oh, kind of situations. Maybe we really will find a way to fry just about anything here in there's the a- U.S. of A. <laughs> uh, I bet there's fried cotton candy. <laughs> oh, I'm positive there is. Now that you mention it, you know, cal- calories just find a way. Calories find a way. I'm pretty sure Jeff Goldblum said that. Yes, I made that joke in a recent podcast. <laughs> He's on my brain lately. I guess. <laughs> on everyone's brains. Sure. Thank you, Lauren. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about how it's made. If we look at a semi-automated machine making cotton candy, it can hold about three pounds of sugar, spinning at over 3,400 revolutions a minute, and that turns out about four servings in that minute. And let's talk a little bit about how that works. So, okay, a cotton candy machine works like this. You heat sugar in a metal cylinder, to what's called in candy making the hard crack stage. Um, That's used to make hard candies, toffee, stuff like that. That's about 300 degrees Fahrenheit or 149 Celsius, like right in in that sort of range. Um, When sugar is that hot, it's typically a liquid. And that liquid is then literally spun out of the cylinder through tiny, tiny holes in it. When the sugar comes into contact with the air, it cools off so fast that it hardens instantaneously without having a chance to crystallize again. It's trapped in this glassy state in the form of long, thin threads. You can collect the threads as they spin out of the cylinder or let them collect on the inside edges of a, of a bowl that you place the cylinder in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I read that you used to get free cotton candy at the end of a meal at Four Seasons in New York City. Huh. I believe it. I mean, I never went there. It's closed now. Hypothetically, they're rebooting it. Oh. Like later this year. (laughs) She just did a looking at her watch motion. Even though I'm not wearing a watch and it doesn't say anything about Four Seasons. And also, this is an audio medium as we frequently have discussed. Eh. Well, here's another weird thing about cotton candy. And I'm really trying to contain my emotions here. (laughs) But... um, National Cotton Candy Day is December 7th. That's a strange time for, I mean, probably the summer days were just already filled up. I didn't yeah, think. Yeah, they were like any day that's free. Oh, Pearl Harbor happened this day. <laughs> Cotton candy. I didn't think that anything, I, I mean, I thought they could overlap anyway. Yeah, December 7th. Yeah. But it's not just a thing in the United States. It's also called candy floss in the UK, fairy floss in Australia, sugar thread in Italy, I mean like in Italian, um, and Papa's beard in France. La barbe a Papa. Oh. I'm not making that up. I I mean, yeah. It makes sense. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's very beard-like. Sure. Both of us were again making a physical gesture. Yes, we were. (laughs) Uh, And this is one of the foods that has a... Pretty concrete history. Yeah. Um, And we will get into that as soon as we get back from a break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. 
Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And the history of this one does remind me very much of our Popsicle episode. Um, no, Quiescently Frozen Confections. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, oh dear good, me. Good catch, good catch. Dear me. We haven't heard from them yet. But any day now, we could hear a knock on our podcast studio door. <laughs> okay. What I mean by that is it is fairly new. Before it was called cotton candy, it was called spawn sugar. And that does go back to 15th century Italy. They had these big vats of melting sugar that they'd spin around with a fork and broom handle. That's pretty much what I was doing at those, at those football games. Oh. Um, this method was used to make fancy caramel nest around croquembouche and the like, and it's still possibly sometimes used, yeah? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Spun glass is still, or spun sugar glass is definitely still a thing. Very pretty. Oh, I've never yeah. really seen it, and then I looked it up for this episode. And yeah. Like, oh. Very pokey, but very pretty. Very pokey. <laughs> noted, noted. Um, other European chefs would make golden rings that resembled glass. So, yes, this was first a rich person's food. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As sugar was expensive, and it takes time to work with it. Absolutely. 
And speaking of, in the 16th century, Francis Henri III went to Venice for an official state visit, and he was welcomed with an entire meal of sugar, 1,286 items, down to the sugar-spun cutlery and napkin and tablecloth. And uh, remember, Marie-Antoine Quirem, uh, we've spoken about him several times, several oh, yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Um, he would make all kinds of sugar constructions. In 1796, the experienced English housekeeper included a recipe for sweet meats covered in a sugary web. Mm. But if we're talking about the fluffy cloud thing <laughs> that kids get at fairs, that was far more recent, like 1897 recent. Ooh. Our story begins with a dentist? A dentist. A dentist. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> He was also... You're only getting angry. I know. I need to chill out. I, I need to, like, go have a cool down after this. Maybe maybe we should go up to the roof, and I should get some cotton candy and try to recapture my youth before the football games before, ruined it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe All we right. should. We'll report back on that. Absolutely. So this dentist was also an author of children's stories, and he was based in Nashville, Tennessee. His name was William James Morrison, and he was a friend of Woodrow Wilson. And along with a friend of his who worked in the candy biz, John C. Wharton, he came up with what they called the electric candy machine. Yeah, and in the outline I wrote, oh, here we go in all caps. <laughs> this is the root of my problem. Like if I had a time machine, I'd go back. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Anyway, what this machine did was melt sugar in a spinny chamber spinning at 3,400 revolutions a minute. And then air would push the sugary substance out through a mesh cage and into the outer chamber, resulting in the fluffy, stringy stuff that we call cotton candy. Yes, and stringy because 15 microns in diameter, like Lauren mentioned before. At the time, though, it was called fairy floss because dentist. Oh. I guess. Uh, Maybe. Fairy floss. Fairy floss. That's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's got two Fs, alliteration. (laughs) Always good. It's, It's a nice mental image. Yeah. I don't know why we're saying this like we're trying to justify that they called it fairy floss. I'm just I'm just happy that you found something to be happy about in this episode, Annie. <laughs> trying to dwell on it as long as possible. I'll uh yeah, thank you. I'll I'll hold on to that throughout throughout the rest. Um Morrison also helped invent the process behind Nashville's first water treatment plant. Oh. And not only that, he tasked his brain with coming up with a lard substitute using cottonseed. And not only that, he was named president of the Tennessee State Dental Association in 1894. And the anger came back in right here, and I went on this whole side rant about dentists and why was he trying to find this. Um like, not. why would he invent a machine for sugar if, yeah. if not to cause more cavities? Yeah, I had a whole conspiracy theory that, yes, he's just trying to cause more cavities. And, aha, I figured you got kind candy, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it debuted on a large scale at the 1904 St. Louis World Fair. And I don't think we've ever mentioned, but this World Fair lasted for seven months. Oh, yeah, it wasn't like a single weekend. Yeah, I think that's what I originally thought when I was – first hearing about these world fairs, that they were kind of like, yeah, I'll get away for a day. Nope, seven months. By now, Morrison and Wharton had sold the patent to the national-based electric candy machine company, and 25 cents would get you a box of fairy floss. 
This was half of the cost of admission, by the way. So nothing to sneeze at. People snapped up almost 66,000 boxes anyway. Almost half a million in today's money. Who? Yeah. The machine won most novel device in the way of electrical machinery. <laughs> and <laughs> they started leasing the machines, Wharton and Morrison did, for $200 a year or $25 a month. And let's also mention that at this very same fair, we got peanut butter, hot dogs, iced tea, and hamburgers. Brands like Dr. Pepper and Popsicles. That's America. Oh, right there. Also a lot of topics we've covered. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A year after the World Fair, they got a patent for their machine. And a year after that, candy stores could buy the Fairy Floss machine. Very little has changed about this machine to this day. They're more reliable. That's one thing. <laughs> the early models were really loud and easily sidelined. Like, like knocked right off their axis. Yeah. Yeah. And just jumbling around too much. Yeah. Simultaneously, Thomas Patton got a patent for caramelized sugar made with a fork. He eventually added in a gas-fired rotating plate. And Fairy Floss took on the name Cotton Candy, at least in the U.S., in the 1920s. And you won't believe this, but it comes to us from another dentist in the candy business, Joseph Lasco. Lasco tried to improve on the faults of Wharton and Morrison's machine, but alas, no dice. Oh, and he was selling this stuff to his patients, by the way. Oh. Just if you want to have your own conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah re reach your own decisions. Yes. <laughs> we are saying nothing one way or the other, but perhaps <laughs> inflection is <laughs> saying enough. Um, Cincinnati's gold medal products came out with a spring base for the Fairy Floss machines that improved production in 1949. And to this day, they are very close to holding a monopoly of cotton candy machines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that spring-loaded base is just makes it way less dangerous, as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> they also came up with the technique patented in 1951 for rolling out a paper-thin, perfectly tapered paper that was perfect for cotton candy. Ah, oh, for, yeah, the, like yeah. the cone. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. There you go. And before the 1970s, you would be hard-pressed to find a cotton candy machine outside of a fair or circus. But that changed in 1972 with the advent of a machine that automatically manufactured and packaged cotton candy. So hello, mass production. Oh, yeah. And the way that these work is um, by spinning the threads of sugar uh, that the, the little little cylinder thing spits out, not uh, onto a bowl or onto a cone, but onto a conveyor belt. And the conveyor belt then pulls the threads into a machine that uses these Teflon-coated rollers to kind of bundle them into this big, airy block, which is then cut into individual segments and sealed into airtight bags. Um, it's important that the bags are airtight because air contains moisture and water melts sugar. Yeah. So, yeah, so you don't, you don't want moisture in there. No. Sealed bags. Shipped to, to fairgrounds and grocery stores across the country for really inferior cotton candy product, according to me. <laughs> we, did, we did have a discussion about this before the podcast starts, and I have strong feelings about cotton candy, as, as is clear, but so does Lauren about fresh versus supermarket. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to have cotton candy, have it fresh. That's mm -hmm. it's the, only way, it's the only way to fly. Did you have a preferred flavor? I think just regular, plain Cotton candy flavor, cotton candy, which I guess is vanilla now. Is that pink or blue? It's pink? I think it was both. I think so it was both frequently both. <laughs> okay. Um, I know that 
I, can't, I literally cannot remember ever having a different flavor of cotton candy. I remember friends having it and me going, ugh. Like, <laughs> you t- like, like trend chaser. You plebe. Yeah. Like, like, how dare you have that green apple flavored cotton candy? What is this, a now and later? Ooh. Boy. <laughs> Do it, when you were a child, did you have a, have a favorite flavor? I feel like cotton candy to me, I agree that I would never have guessed it was vanilla. To me, it was more of a texture experience, right, like a right. sweet yeah. texture experience, because it kind of gets like almost chewy or sure, totally, yeah, as it's exposed to the saliva in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't really a flavor so much as just like sugar that had an interesting texture thing happening. Texture experience, yeah. No, no, I totally feel you. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about how that texture experience comes about, the uh, the physics and chemistry of cotton candy. But first, we're going to take one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Thank you. 
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So this is not the first candy that we're talking about here on Food Stuff. We did talk about marshmallows once. And y'all may remember from that episode, if you've listened to it, uh, that candy making is objectively horrifying. Oh, it is. Yeah, because it generally involves melting sugar, and molten sugar is edible napalm. Mm-hmm. Dangerous stuff, as Annie can well tell you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And, okay, all right. Many candies do start with just one ingredient, sugar, a.k.a. granulated crystals of sucrose. There's frequently a little bit of water involved, too, because the way that you make candy out of grains of sugar is generally that you use heat to turn the, the nice, orderly crystal structure of the sucrose molecules into disorderly liquid goop. Uh, adding a little bit of water to the mix helps you manage the pace of that. Uh-huh. But... Cotton candy plays fast and loose. Fine-grained sugar goes straight into that heating cylinder and breaks down into liquid. And, okay, as it turns out, sugar does not have a single precise melting point. The, the temperature at which its crystals break down actually varies based on how quickly you heat it. If you heat sugar slowly, those, those crystals will break down at lower temperatures. If you heat it quickly, it can withstand higher temperatures before it melts. And I could be wrong. Uh, any any chemists out there, check in. But I think that this might actually be the trick to making cotton candy possible. Because when you, when you heat sugar past a certain point, you'll go beyond busting apart the sucrose molecules from each other in, in out of their crystalline form. You'll start actually busting apart the molecules themselves. The, the sucrose decomposes into glucose and fructose as it gets hotter, which... Those then lose water and react with one another, forming hundreds of new and tasty aromatic compounds. That's caramelization. But you don't want that with cotton candy, or at least not a whole lot of it. So exposing the sugar to sudden high heat lets it melt without caramelizing. Mm-hmm. And the sudden change back to room temperature when the liquid sugar is expressed out through that spinning cylinder, uh, combined with the enormous surface area of the, of the thin, thin, thin threads, um, allowing heat to dissipate quickly, all of that makes the sucrose molecules cling up in solid form again. But this time, their structure is not orderly and crystalline, but, but disorderly and amorphous. Um, it's sort of like the, like the difference between a quartz crystal pendant and a window pane. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Like, like left to its own devices, the molecules will naturally order themselves in this very particular crystalline way. But through particular heat treatment, we can form them into any shape we like. And in the case of cotton candy, that shape that we like is super fine threads that melt in your mouth. Well, wow. if you know what you're doing, you can form them in any shape <laughs> that you like. No, it was the machine's fault. Don't blame yourself, Annie. Yeah, no, that was they, they. At the very least, it should have come with instructions. It, someone should have told me what someone, to do. Someone, I mean, you were a teenager, and they gave you something that was heating something to certainly above three hundred degrees, and they were just like, "Good luck, kid." <laughs> yep. <laughs> and yet, I did it every Friday for like years. <laughs> oh. You never let. You were never like, "Hey." Hey Barry, you you come you come get the cotton candy machine today. I did try to like con this one parent into helping me and he like he did it for maybe maybe 7 minutes and then just walked away and he was like I'm not making it anymore. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, man, adults failing you. Yeah. 
At every turn. I know. It's like a a very tame version of Harry Potter. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm glad that you've lived through that. It's helped make you the person that you are today. You are so kind. I obviously have some issues to work <laughs> through when it comes to cotton candy. And I appreciate everyone bearing with me <laughs> as I <laughs> attempt to wade through the trauma that is working in the high school <laughs> band concession stand. <laughs> I think that everyone understands. I think that, you know, we all have our we all have our cotton candy. We do all have our cotton candy. And I do not begrudge or I try not to begrudge um, people for liking cotton candy because it is very cool. I mean. Yeah. That's neat. Science behind it. History's interesting, even if I'm still a little perplexed about the involvement of dentists. (laughs) So many dentists. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, enjoy away. I remember it being a very fun experience as a child. Mostly just, again, because it was like kind of brightly colored. Sure. And an interesting experience. And it usually meant you were at some kind of fun event. Right. Yeah. The excitement, the kind of sugar rush. Yeah. 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 But that's the end of our cotton candy episode. It is. It is. Yeah. And it brings us to listener mail. Yeah. I felt like we were in a musical number with that one. Like a lot of hand movement. (laughs) There was. It was very fossy. It it was. Okay. So um, Clarissa wrote in about our peanut butter episode. The combination I am about to describe is best served on waffles. Already in, Clarissa. Okay. You really want the ingredients trapped in the little squares. Okay. But it is also acceptable on pancakes as an easy alternative. Begin with shredded cheddar cheese. Okay. Tillamook. Tillamook is the suggested brand because it is award-winning medium cheddar and the flavor blends better than cheaper brands and because we are visiting Tillamook's cheese factory. <laughs> Next comes the peanut butter. The family is divided between Skippy and Jif, each side taking a firm stance on their preference. <laughs> but crunchy versus creamy has been deemed the choice of the diner in question. Ah. Finally, Maple syrup, warmed up and drizzled over it all. Mrs. Butterworth is my grandma's preference, and therefore the original, in my view. This combination has disgusted friends and roommates who have dined with me for years, but it's amazingly (laughs) delicious. I've even managed to get a convert or two. Now the fun history. We always thought this was a funny family quirk. My grandpa always did this on waffles, and we all got it from him. He was raised in southern Utah in a tiny farming town. One summer during college, I got an internship near Zion National Park. Living on site at the resort meant that I ate with the other employees for all three meals. And inevitably, they saw my breakfast monstrosity. (laughs) Then the day arrived where a group of employees had gone to the nearby town for the night and had breakfast at an old family-run restaurant. Lo and behold, on the menu was waffles with peanut butter and cheese served with warm maple syrup on the side. <laughs> My grandpa's hometown was less than an hour away. My coworkers recognized the dish, asked its origin, and apparently it's an old favorite of southern Utah locals. Huh. They came back amazed and excited <laughs> to tell me their discovery. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, I'd try it. Right? I'd try it in a heartbeat. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, it involves peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate everyone who's, like, updating me on their peanut butter preferences. It's the best. 
Somebody just sent me a picture of like <laughs> all of her peanut butter, yeah. like all of or, or his or her and like all of the family's peanut butter, like like jars for them, jars for the dogs, jars for like fan- jars. fancy times. Oh yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as alone as I previously imagined. <laughs> oh, um, Jason wrote. Uh, the reason I'm writing to you is related to your toasting episode. One of my previous companies I worked for sent me to a small town in Sweden to learn about metalwork and how steel was made. The company has been around for over 150 years, so over that time they've developed a unique toasting ritual. They created a company toasting songbook that you would turn to a specific page every time a toast was deemed necessary. It's a small four by six inch book with about 50 pages full of different toasts in Swedish and in English translation. It even had the company logo. One evening, they invited me and my young colleagues to a fancy six-course meal at the company's mansion. Before dinner, we would have a beer or two at the bar. Then after we sat down at the table, we would be served a red wine, and someone would pull out the company toasting book like a Baptist hymnal and would toast. Every course would be accompanied by a toast from the book, along with a new wine pairing. They even had specific toasts for schnapps. In addition, throughout the evening, people would randomly make toast just so they could read from the book. After dinner, we would have biscuits and brandy to finish off the night, assuming you could still stand. All in all, there would be about nine to ten toasts that evening. Wow. <laughs> that, I appreciate that level of dedication so much. I do, too. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, Toasting a company toasting book. Why don't we have one for how stuff works? This also well, you know, we could fix that. We are the ones. We are. We are. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of the dreams. We can make this happen. We can. Uh, just because I've been playing um, some old video games lately, this sounds like the beginning of a Resident Evil game. <laughs> You're in a mansion having oh, a nice dinner. Yeah, making some toast. Oh no, I don't know. Well, it sounds like everything turned out Except, well. Yeah, it seems like the zombie apocalypse was not upon Jason at that moment, but it's good. Yes, good for you, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> you got out lucky this time. <laughs> this time. <laughs> so, thanks to both of them for emailing us. You too can send us an email. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We are also on various forms of social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw. We're also on the aforementioned Instagram. Our handle there is at foodstuff. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our amazing super producer, Dylan Fagan, who is terrifico. And thanks to you for listening. We hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. 